Hello, folks. This is Kevin Swanson, your host for the Generations Broadcast, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with me as well. And we bring a biblical worldview to bear on just about every area of life. Well, the Word of God is there to equip the man of God for every good work, Bill. And uh, really, no topic is off limits, if you think about it. Correct. We can talk about anything. Yeah. And uh, we can apply the Word of God to everything. Well, even the business life? Mm-hmm. Even even the other 68% of your life where, you know, you go to work and stuff? Yes. So you'd say the Word of God has application to the other 68% of life? Yeah. We, Money, I, business, again, work? I'm, I'm reminded of Francis Schaeffer who said, we see the world in bits and pieces. We need a, we need a uh, unified whole approach to to our lives. And that is that scripture applies everywhere Hmm. and that scripture applies in my, not just my personal relationships, but my business relationships. It's surprising how much of the book of Proverbs applies to your work life, money, honesty in business, et cetera, et cetera. The word of God understands that, Hey, there's real life and God's word, God's law, God's principles really do tie in. Don't they? Yeah. And, and, And Jesus talked a lot about money. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. I think somebody said, well, I have it in my book, How the World Runs, thousands of references to, uh, to, the, to, to Scripture. Well, yeah, here it is in How the World Runs. It just happens to be in front of me, the first sentence of my <laughs> book. I just found it. The Bible contains over 2,000 verses dealing with the subject of money. 2,000 verses. Wow. How many verses are there in Scripture? Well, there's probably you know, 60, 80,000 or something, but still, that's a pretty high percentage. Yeah. Uh, I think 40% of Jesus' parables have something to do with economics. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Meaning that he's speaking to life, to real life. Right. And, and hey, work, economy, et cetera, is a very important part of real life for every single one of us. Well, Mariko writes into the program, and this ties into what she's asking. She asks about MLMs, multi-level marketing companies. How should Christians think about MLMs, and should we support these in our churches, uh, those people involved with them? I was reminded of the Generations episode on gambling. Well, I don't think there's a parallel there. But she says, what principles can we use to navigate the MLM programs for Christians? Uh, So, now, I I don't think that multi-level marketing violates biblical principle as such. That is, the the concept itself is not in opposition to Scripture. Right. And we should be as careful with how we deal with MLMs as we deal with any other part of business in a world that does not really respect God's principles. And, And I will say that there is such little respect for biblical principles when it comes to the Eighth and Ninth Commandments and Tenth Commandment that it's hard to find businesses it's hard to find governments anymore that subscribe to biblical principle at any level these days so as christians we really need to go out into this world with our eyes wide open and that's why i wrote the book how the world runs and your part in it for 14 year olds but really it's probably effective for the whole family i've tried to bring macro and micro principles to bear uh and and draw from scripture and i i'm guessing uh there's probably tens of thousands of biblical reference well Thousands of biblical references in this uh, in this treatment, but uh, but let's talk about that. Um, biblical principles, really, that we ought not to steal, and that we ought to be honest. I think I think one of the biggest uh, things is the issue of greed. Mm-hmm. 
that that tends to drive um, MLMs. It is that if I get enough people under me, then I will have an easy street. And so um, it's the idea that I live off the the labor of others. And and it's there's it's not wrong to recruit people to something that you think is has value and worth and will benefit them. But too often it turns into, I'm going to get rich by this means. And so we have to remember that things are to be used and people are to be loved. And too often in business, without a biblical view, things are loved and people used. Well, First Timothy chapter 6 warns us that we are not to desire to be rich, to, to, to focus in upon the goal of being rich. Uh, and, and those that love money, they have given roots to the root of all evil. And so there's these warnings in Scripture. Now, it's not wrong to be rich. No. It's not wrong to be successful. But it, it it's risky. Uh, I would say it takes a calling. There are some who are called to steward more money than others. Ultimately, to be rich is to steward more money. You just happen to have more money over which you are to steward. But if you're to steward over, say, 10 talents, you have to be willing to put it to work. If you were to steward over one talent, you are to be willing to put it to work, as Jesus said in his parables. And we deal with that in this book, How the World Runs, and your part in it. So biblical principle really states that we're not to worship money. We're not to seek to be rich. We are to be honest. And we should be honest when we sell a business to somebody else. You should tell them how how much time you spend with the business. You should tell them how much money you made after expenses, deducting business miles, and everything else. You should be willing to show them your own tax receipts. Be very open about your record of success over the last five years. You with me, Bill? If I didn't do that, what would you say? No, I'm slipping would, something yeah, over somebody. Exactly. You're, you're not being transparent. And therefore, you're not being honest. Now, an MLM should be equally honest. You agree mm-hmm. with that? I agree. At the same time, offering resources for training and detailing the benefits of the training. Now, I think there are benefits to the MLM. Now, some of the benefits is that they provide training. They provide some teaching. Some of the training is more rah-rah motivational stuff. But there's usually some degree of hand-holding in the training, in the sales, etc., so that uh, you probably get more training in an MLM than you would in a franchise, for example. Yeah. And th- so there's, there's a value to that. And, and it provides uh, provides a sense of community mm-hmm. and accountability. Mm-hmm. It can. Right. Right. So these are the positives. So one way to introduce a very unique product to the market as well, through word of mouth. Let's say, let's say you had developed a home-based fusion reactor. Where you know you put a gallon of water into it, and it just runs your electricity for the next forty years, or something like that. That's pretty unique. That's new. That's a that's a new development. I, I, I would I would call that a Ponzi scheme. Not well, it could one. be. But if it worked, <laughs> let's say if it worked, then yeah. word of mouth would be one way to convey it from one person to the next. I think it would be word of mouth that would spread like wildfire. <laughs> it probably would fairly quickly, right? So now, oftentimes when you have a new product just developed and you think there's a tremendous value to it, word of mouth may be one way in which to get the ball rolling for your unique product. So I can see how an MLM may be one way in which to uh, to market something unique. As I said, there's also intensive training that can be involved. 
it's it's hard for most people to operate their own businesses. I would say I think I think the 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 numbers run about seven percent of Americans are able to run their own farm or run their own business. About ninety three percent of Americans work for somebody. Uh, that might be a plus or minus on that, but. Um, but, but so, so, so a lot of folks who want their own business, they're probably going to need some training along the way. So an MLM may be one way in which they become rather, uh, well-trained in sales and well-trained in operating their own business. In fact, I know one guy who started out in MLM, did uh, kind of well in the MLM, but then he transitioned over to a metal, uh, building uh, business and he's done extremely well. So he began, got some training, cut his teeth in an LM, and then later on became a rather successful businessman. So that may be one way in which you learn to be a effective business person and you might be able to cut yourself loose from the employment track and run your own business. Okay, so those are some of the positives. Now, I'll give you a little bit more in just a moment on MLMs next on Generation. Stay with us. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live you can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org store today. That's generations.org store. And we're back on the program. Ladies and gentlemen, people are asking the question relating to MLMs, multi-level marketing programs. Uh, should you get involved? Now, one, one question is, to what extent should the church be involved in people's businesses? And I would say that uh, you should minimize your buying and selling on the Lord's Day. In fact, there shouldn't be buying and selling going on when the people of God have come together to worship. Okay, so I would just apply that caution. I think it's also important that we not kind of put a gun to the head of our friends, say you get involved in this or I will not be your friend. I think that kind of thing, that's what you began with. And that is you're using people and loving money or loving materials. And that's uh, the other way around should be the other way around. But uh, again, looking at multi-level marketing, here's just a couple of heads up. As you think about getting involved in a multi-level marketing program, Here's some some wisdom. First thing, obtain average earnings statistics for an average of, say, 10 people who've been involved. Find the average amount of money paid by the company in commissions and bonuses to participants at the various levels of the compensation plan. 
Also, if the MLM won't provide statistics of average earnings, you should consider that to be a red flag. Again, if, if you're selling a business, most people expect that you'll see something of their tax returns. In fact, somebody was trying to sell us some kind of a, um, a business. This is a few years ago, and we had access to the tax returns. We had access to you know, everything he had bought and sold and the assets and liabilities. We had all of those in front of us, and that, that really should be provided. So there should be some, some, some data provided if you're going to get involved in a multi-level marketing business. Uh, determine total incentivized or pay-to-play expenses as well. What are the minimal purchase requirements if you're going to qualify for bonuses and commissions? Usually run something like $50 to $500 per month of expenditures. Uh, be careful about promises that you don't have to purchase anything or that you get products at a discount. Find out what the discounts are. Uh, here's another important uh, aspect to this. Consider carefully the quality as well as the prices of the products. Do they really compete with everything else on the market in terms of quality, in terms of price? So keep track of those things and, and perhaps do a spreadsheet of their products and try to rate their quality as best as you can and compare that to everything else on the market. That, my friends, is what the free market does. And if somebody kind of wants to get in the way of that and not allow for any comparisons, be cautious, be ever so cautious with that because we want to be sure that you know we're doing some honest apples to apples, oranges to oranges comparisons here. Also, be very careful with health products, especially if there are no long-standing double-blind studies conducted over a period of time, or if there's been very little in terms of reproducible studies done on it. There's, this is the age of junk science, and don't forget that's the age we live in. Alchemists are everywhere today, so just keep <laughs> that in mind as well. Okay, also see if you can't find the average amount of money paid into the company by participants, what other costs are involved in terms of training meetings, tools, books, CDs, etc. And I think you could also do your own sampling. Interview five downline participants and ask them if they will give you how much money they've made paid into the program over the last year, how much money they've received from the program over the last year, how much time they've spent attending meetings, et cetera, over the last year, how much vehicle mileage they have used on the program in the last year. I think it would be best if you could get a sample size of five to 10 so you could get an average for newbies as well as those who have been part of the program for three plus years. Somebody said that about 1% of MLM participants actually make money. Now, I don't know if that's Wow. Accurate or not. I'm sure there are MLMs that say, well, well, that's not the way it is with us. So, but so, so I would treat every MLM as its own animal and, and ask the questions and, and survey five to 10 participants, people who've been part of this thing for a year or two years or three years and ask them how much money you've made in the program, how much money you've paid into the program, how much uh, time you spent attending meetings and doing the business itself, how much vehicle mileage you've used on the program in the last year. They, they should keep good records of these sorts of things. Um, you should, of course, not assume you can sell the products at a heightened retail price to others. Keep in mind that oftentimes reselling products is only a very minor portion of product sales. This whole idea that direct selling is a, a big part of what they do, that tends not to be the case. So you might want to knock the watermelon on that to determine whether or not there's going to be any appreciable uh, direct sales going on. Uh, also, here's one more thing to consider. Every company has an attrition retention rate. It's a very important part in terms of speaking towards the success or the failure of a business. So get the average dropout rate for one year, five year, and 10 years. 
the average attrition rate in American companies is about 18% per year. Compare it to that and see how this MLM is doing. Uh, don't make an immediate decision as to whether you'll participate. Take the data home with you. Um, just compare it with other opportunities. Pray through it. See, so much of the time, Bill, people kind of knee-jerk reaction and jump into something and then they regret it well, six and, months and, to a year later. And again, it is the the allure of a get-rich-quick scheme. And the Word of God has much to say about that. Yes. Yeah. An inheritance quickly gotten will dissipate, and it no. will be a negative. It will be a curse for the person receiving it. Yeah. Honesty essential in business, my friends. If you have any sense of sleight of hand, an unwillingness to answer honest business questions, moveon.org. Just moveon.org. <laughs> and, and that's true for everything, right? Isn't that true for buying a used car? Yeah. And boy, I, I deal with just about every aspect of that in this book how the world runs and your part in it. It's basically the stuff that I wish I had had when I was 14 years old and went out into the world and got ripped off about 20 times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I got, I, I joined up with a bunch of these cons who were selling Electrolux um, vacuum cleaners when I was 16 years old, responded to an ad like, you know, you can be a business manager at this company in the next two months. And I thought, well, that's, I'm qualified for that. You know, <laughs> I got involved with this, uh, this group of ex cons. I mean, it was a nasty group and uh, I, I, I was out of it within about two days, but, uh, anyway, just, just, you know, look for the honesty, listen to what the word of God has to say. Uh, Isaiah 32, the schemes of the schemer are evil. He devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speak justice, but a generous man devises generous things. And by generosity, he shall stand Leviticus 19 verse 11. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. And then Proverbs 11, verse 1, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Or Deuteronomy 25, 14, you shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, a large and a small, a full, a full and a fair weight you shall have, a full and a fair measure you shall have, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who act dishonestly, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Now. I'd also be careful with hard sell techniques. And I'd recommend, again, this book, How the World Runs and Your Part in It. I've got an entire section on how to be a humble and an honest salesman. God's word does not favor boasting, big talking, and hard selling. All around us are to be found plenty of smooth talking salesmen who know how to make an extra dollar by using a host of sales techniques. Most success programs emphasize sales as the big thing and businesses are expected to talk up their products for better sales and income. Hard salesmen have learned to keep pushing the product until the customer has said no three times, or they will play the good cop, bad cop with the customer. First, they use flattery. Then they try to shame them. They also play on the fear of missing out, or they will tell the customer the price of the product is about to increase within a day or two. They may pretend the product is scarce, or they may appeal to pity, or they may drag out the conversation to wear down the customer. How do we respond to these methods? If we are going to compete with those hard sell companies, must we take on their approach to sales? If scripture forbids boasting about ourselves, our comp companies, and our products, how are we going to be successful with our sales? Here are several pointers to take into account when selling a product with the intent towards building a company up on integrity and maintaining a God-honoring business. Number one, strive to understand the real need of the customer and fill that need. Be sure that the sale and your profit is not your number one goal in the conversation. A good salesman isn't going to be talking the whole time. He's asking questions. He's attempting to provide needed expertise that would assist the customer. 
The goal of the company is to satisfy the customer, but also to surprise the customer with a better product or service than the customer expected to receive. Okay, number two, be truthful in the presentation of the product or service. To the extent that the product will not fulfill the customer's needs, he should know it. While it's okay to highlight the better features of your product, don't use the better features to cover up the worse. And then third, focus on quality. Instead of worrying about your competitors or hard selling your customers, just work on giving your customers the best product possible. Okay, so those are some biblical principles that I bring to bear in this little book, How the World Runs and Your Part in It. It's really the best way I could prepare a 14-year-old for the macro economy using biblical principles and being sure to warn them of the sinful techniques, whether on the macro level or micro level, that are used by the world around us. So get a copy of How the World Runs in Your Part in and a workbook associated with it as well, available at generations.org. The book, again, is How the World Runs and Your Part in It, subtitle, a book about the practical things of life and economy for everybody and what the Bible says about successful businesses, work life, home economies, and national economies. Okay, so that's the book, and it's available at our website, generations.org. It's called How the World Runs. Get your copy for your 14-year-olds or your 15-year-olds or your 16-year-olds. It's also a great read-aloud for the whole family, just to prepare the whole family to be active and successful in a family economy and to play by God's rules. That's what matters most. Get your copy of How the World Runs and your part in it at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.